This week, we bring on David and Muhammad from the Ask an Iranian podcast to talk about the good and the bad of Islam. COVID-19 for over a year and a half and America doesn't expect the bubble to burst. Learn about inflation and the doom that looms around the corner. And finally, for our Zoom segment, we talk about the validity of the laws of the land. Which laws should exist, which laws shouldn't exist. Let us know what you think. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Say What Needs. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on any of our platforms. We would really appreciate it. I'm Zach. Now, Brandon. Let's get out of here. We are here with David and Muhammad from the Ask an Iranian podcast to talk about the good and the bad of Islam. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us back again. Assalamu alaikum and thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm Ramadan Kareem. Or Ramadan. I always Ramadan, get that one wrong. Yeah, Kareem. <laughs> yeah, it's well. Ramadan at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our excuse for being up uh, late yeah. at the moment, recording with you guys. But, uh, yes, yeah, great to see you guys and great to be back with you. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you back on the show. It's always, you know, every time you guys come on, it seems to be a really good episode and we're happy to talk again. We really appreciate you guys coming on so late. Um, your time. I know that it's probably not the most convenient, hey, no but, but yeah, we're no, up late anyway. It's great. So, yeah, so these ones. Well, we're happy to be here. Not at all. So, yeah. So with these episodes, um, this is just the second one of these that we've done. Um, and so we wanted to give you guys and the viewers a chance to kind of talk about religion in a more open context and address some of both the the good elements that people enjoy and hold closely and 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 find value in um, and then also address some of the more controversial elements that maybe frame religions in a bad light or make people less comfortable talking about it um, with others and so we've done one previously on christianity and so now we wanted to bring you guys on and talk about Islam. And so I figured we would just turn it over to you and see, you know, we'll start with the good and whatever you feel you would define as the quote unquote good of Islam, we can, we'll give it about, you sure. know, 10 minutes or so. And then we can get into some of the more, the more nitty gritty of, of some of the controversial elements. Absolutely. Yeah, great. Uh, well, we checked out the show, The Good and Bad of Christianity. Mm. Enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, the guy was was quite intense. Quite enjoyed that. Uh, don't expect as much intensity from us today. <laughs> Not in the same way. But um, yes, yeah, so the good and bad with uh, Islam is obviously a trick question. So we appreciate that. You know, you're testing us here. Yeah, that was uh, Obviously, it's all good. Um, just for the audience there, they obviously also know that as well. Um, but uh, Muhammad made an interesting point before we were recording about a distinction here. Muhammad. Yeah, you got to distinguish between Islam and Muslims because Obviously, there's nothing bad about Islam. Everything about Islam is good, but uh, there might be mistakes or bad things that Muslims do. Mm -hmm. Islam is flawless. Muslims are not necessarily flawless. So, yeah, uh, Muslims have been doing bad things throughout history. As people do. As people do. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> this yeah. is... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if, if there's if there's anything bad about Islam, it is basically the Western depiction of Islam, which is, of course, uh, there is an element of hostility and animosity to it. So it has not been 
portrayed fairly. So by the time I think we're done with this conversation, you'll know, and you both will convert to Islam as well. So, <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the aim. That's I mean, that's why we're here, point. right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The whole point. I can yeah. see them turning. That smile means yeah. you know we're part way. I think we're halfway yeah. there now. Brandon, you're slowly growing beard now. I can, I can see, see that. We've mentioned the beard. Yeah. I can see it's been mentioned and none of my family has recognized it. I think there's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should probably also preface this by giving a bit of uh, background as to how uh, Muhammad and I are familiar uh, with Islam because uh, we're familiar in different ways. Um, Muhammad's story is, is uh, he can explain himself. Yeah, I was born here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my familiarity or... or uh, becoming a Muslim was when I was 25 years old and came to Iran for the first time and then checked out my birth certificate and realized that I'd been claimed as Muslim uh, at that point. Uh, up until then, I grew up in a Christian nation in uh, England, uh, <laughs> thinking that I was uh, a Protest Protestant Christian. And uh, yeah, I was corrected upon being 25 and coming to Iran. I should have realized this because when I was uh, three years old, I came to Iran for the first time ever, ever, uh, just before the Iran-Iraq war broke out. Don't do the math. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I was I was sort of brought into Islam, I guess, when uh, Snip Snippy happened. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was my first introduction to Islam by having a, a section of my body uh, taken away from me. I mean, let's be honest, it was weighing me down, getting in the way. So uh, that was taken from me. Um, we won't go into the disaster episode that that was. You can probably check that out in our last podcast episode where I reveal all about how I was circumcised twice. Yeah, so, so if you're uh, listening to our podcast and you listen to one and David is not talking about his circumcision, he's talking about the circumcision on the next one. So you just... Yeah, just randomly pick, pick a podcast episode. So that's kind of our, our background. So uh, I kind of approached this from a sort of ignorant sort of position uh, and came to Iran and uh, studied and learned. Um, and actually, uh, on that time, 25, I um, joined my father in the fasting practice during Ramadan and uh, would uh, do the prayer with him and do all the uh, procedures mm. and whatnot. Did 31 days, one extra day, accidentally, yeah. as one does. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of a sort of crash course of Islam back then, did uh, pilgrimage to the city of Mashhad, the mm -hmm. holy city of Mashhad, where Imam Reza's tomb is. Uh, got some interesting books uh, about Islam there, the rule in English. They give, they give them away for free <laughs> if you're a tourist there. So uh, there you go, advertising place, if anyone's in town. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to expand on that, Mashhad is a holy city for Shias, and Imam Reza is a Shia imam. So uh, yeah, I mean, that leads into me saying that Islam is not a monolithic uh, religion ideology. There are many sects, school of thoughts. I mean, of course, everybody has heard about Shias and Sunnis and mm -hmm. there are um, reformist is Islamic religions. There are Baha'is who, whose religion is based on Islam. There are Daruz and uh, many others as well. Like Sufism is integrated into Islam as well. So uh, yeah, it is not one single thing. So when we're talking about Islam, we are talking about our own right. experiences, what we know about it. So we cannot represent all the Muslims. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. We, so uh, what are we missing? What are we missing on the intro to Islam here? I mean, it's a very broad uh, subject matter. But uh, do you have any questions at this point about how we should introduce 
Islam in some way to the audience before we move on? I guess, Zach, if we were to approach it just, I guess, one step different from before, mm-hmm. um, you when you both hear the word Islam, uh, what mm-hmm. images do you hold close when you hear that word? And then give us a bit into the intro to Islam from your perspective. So for me, it's, why are they cutting me? <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has been a traumatic experience for David. Let's all, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pro tip for the uh, Muslims out yeah. there: do it before three years old. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, actually, I had to do it like later, later uh, as well. So it was sort word, of traumatic. I wouldn't use the word pro tip, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. tip part, I get. Yeah. Oh no! Well, oh no! Oh, oh. Bad. See. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, Mohammed, sorry. Sorry, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, Brandon asked us oh, yeah, a question. To, to, what does Islam uh, sort of uh, what comes to mind uh, when we? Think I mean, of for me, it's not a single single image. For me, it's a, a combination of everything that I like and maybe like more or like less about Islam, of course. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, it's uh, a, a combination of traditions, uh, politics, basically whatever uh, you've seen on TV happening, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this, mm-hmm. uh, there is rituals and uh, there is morality, spirituality, et cetera. So it's not one single image that comes to my mind. Uh, sure. I think it's kind of the same for me, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Why am I thinking about it now? One one notable uh, difference, for me at least, is, is it's sort of seriousness. And I think partly that is to do with where we are. Uh, as to why I'm saying that, because uh, Shi'i and Sunni, see, when I speak with uh, Sunni friends, mm-hmm. uh, so people, Lebanese friends that I have who are Sun, uh, Sunni, they they find it strange, the sort of perception or the, the way I perceive it, because for them, uh, for, specifically now, for Ramadan, it's quite a joyous, fun mm-hmm. occasion, uh, to a degree, uh, compared to at least the way it is in Iran. Yeah, but, it's a uh, festive, rather... Yeah, month, but it runs Islam, or at least Mike, because I only know Islam through Iran and coming here to learn about that. The the sort of uh, procedures, ceremonies uh, are all very sort of quite straight faced, very uh, serious. Hmm. Um, I mean, I can't imagine any moment of any of the traditions that particularly involve a smile uh, yeah. in any particular way. It's, it's about, um, I mean, Islam literally means submission. Islam literally means submission. Yes. Uh, so, it it really is. Yeah, it's a it's very solemn. I guess that that's it. I, I see it's quite serious, hmm. a serious connection okay. to God. And I think uh, uh, Muhammad, correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of that is probably by the way that Islam has been packaged up or evolved with things like the revolution uh, in Iran. In Iran, absolutely. Uh, and these things have become sort of uh, interrelated, and they and they move together uh, in some way. And these days, one might argue that um, some of the sort of lack of interest uh, by some people in Iran is that it's sort of packaged up in a way that certainly the younger generations are not as familiar. They haven't been there, done that, gone through those sort of steps that the older generations have gone through. So they're kind of turned off by it which is a really bad way of describing that, but <laughs> you don't want to, I mean, um, so, so yeah, I, I, in answer to your question, Brandon, yeah, I guess sort of what comes to mind, like solemn seriousness, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, really 
devoutly following these things and yeah that's yeah. it a quick note uh you mentioned the difference between shias and sunnis and celebrating like the holy month of ramazan it's not all shias it's uh in iran i mean every uh, all of the rules regarding ramazan are government sanctions and the majority of sunnis in my experience are uh are kind of like more secular and cultural rather than the governmental or social with the uh, with or social political with religion so Islam for every Muslim is weaved into everything your food your your the, the, what you wear where you sleep how you walk so much of the language and the language yes yeah so basically you go around the kind of like Christians I mean how many Christians that actually understand Latin like most of most of Muslims that we have to recite Quran in Arabic mm-hmm. so it has a it has a a major effect on our language and the culture and everything yeah everything around it so basically i don't know everything is weaved into islam or vice versa islam is weaved into everything it's uh everything around us yeah as well so a lot of iranians are upset because uh like they think religion has been forced on them mm-hmm. shia majority but uh, most of Sunnis, they accept it. They accept it as their as the part of their culture, the tradition, their lives, their identity. Yeah. Well put, Mohammed. No, oh, thank you. Zach, yeah. I, more- I don't get many of those positive comments from David, so I'm really happy. <laughs> okay, so in Christianity, for example, and this is only because we just recently used them uh, as our very first introduction into this. Like they very much so within the hymnals and very much so in the literature to try to associate. Um, the uh, God as with with an emotion like love or uh, when any any like serious like they try to use uh, human emotions to encourage the belief and the, the the understandings of the religion. Would you say that there's an emotion tied around uh, Islam that you guys could relate to in that example? Or uh, absolutely more so for Shias than Sunnis. I mean, for Sunnis, there's less emotion. I mean, with with uh, Shia, Islam is a very emotional religion. So you might have seen a lot of videos about like Shias crying and uh, like having mourning ceremonies. You don't see that in the Sunni world. So yeah, more so more so with Shias than um, Sunnis. Interesting. With Sunnis, it's more like what the will of Allah is. Mahmoud, would you say some of that relates to the, uh, I mean, the, one of the big distinctions is about the, who who took over after the prophet. So Imam Ali, uh, Hossein, Hassan. So, uh, and these stories are woven into Iranian culture and Shiite uh, culture. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that is about the, the battles, martyrdom, uh, the struggles of uh the imams yeah followed so so therefore yeah that's why i would have said earlier like being solemn or serious but the emotion there is is very much i would say probably related to sort of pain and loss and uh suffering and 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 i think and why i say the i think personally these things interweave with the sort of history of uh, recent islam in iran is is because of the war with Mm -hmm. iraq those things bundled together to sort of express uh, a lot of loss and sadness with revolution, war, together. No, I have to disagree with you because I think it's a, a civilizational thing. I mean, Islam came to Persia 
before it was Iran. Um, so a combination of pagan nations here and different rituals. Um, I mean, you can track back some of Shia rituals to way before Islam as well. You can connect to them. I mean, the correlation doesn't necessarily mean the cause. Yeah, cause. But anyway, I think uh, it started from the very early years of Islam expanding to uh, the Persian Empire rather than the eight-year war between Iran and Iraq or the revolution or the loss because that that emotional factor has been there since way before the revolution. Mohammed, would you not say that those things are amplified by those like revolution and war scenarios? Uh, well, there is always loss and suffering in every nation, in every conflict and every culture. It depends on you how to approach it in mm. an emotional way or what to amplify, what to highlight. And uh, yeah, I think... I think it has been there way before. So like associating the Imam Hussein is the third Shia Imam. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. third Shia Imam. And after Prophet Muhammad, we have Imams as Shias. And uh, there are four caliphs after the, the prophets in um, Sunni faith. So yeah, I mean, he's the third Im- Imam and he got tra- tragically murdered according to Shias. And uh, we take it as a very emotional thing, like crucifix, crucif- crucifixion, yeah, crucifixion of Christ, which is absolutely emotional. And you you see like uh, a lot of Catholics around the world, including like I mean, majorly in South America, they are really emotional about it, and right. uh, they do they go crazy when we go crazy uh, for that martyrdom as well. So. Well, we highlight it. We 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 associate the loss during the war or martyrdom or um, suffering during the war with that because we already have that, and we okay. want to kind of like associate those two. I mean, yeah. So my experiences of what Muhammad's describing here were were quite strange when I arrived in Iran. Uh, I would go to the mosque, and on one particular occasion, I think it was. Shabbat Ahia, the one of the the sort of anniversaries of the that death. Night, yeah. I, th- I think it was that occasion. Yeah, it's, but, like, um, it's one like well, I'm sorry, just a quick note. During the holy month of Ramadan, there is one night that is the night of destiny, that like everything is determined for the next year, and it is one of the three nights. So, I, which is coming up next week? But uh, no, if I'm not, it's tonight. It's tonight. No, one was last night. Oh, okay. night is another one. I don't know. Yeah. So when it, I, I was I was saying I was in a a mosque with my uh, family there, and the lights would go out, and the person was sort of preaching or singing out the mm-hmm. the sort of story yeah. of what happened, and and it was strange for me because everyone everybody started crying around me, and I couldn't really see them because the lights had gone out. And it was really weird. All these grown men suddenly just weeping and yelling mm-hmm. out, and then we started doing some very strange uh, sort of circular dance later, and tops were taken off it was very bizarre yeah uh, i felt like i was in a very strange place it was very it was very different uh from uh, anything i might have expected mm. um but yeah so so sort of yeah uh crying uh grown men crying to those uh sort of occasions it's not that odd you'll yeah, see that begging for forgiveness actually yeah um have we been able to describe some of the emotion as as you asked it there 
Definitely, it's truly. It was truly a, a almost like a, a navigating, like a map with going here, hearing between you both, uh, just fall back in your memories and just. I'm and I'm trying to document in my head all the different vocabulary words I'm gonna have to look <laughs> up, uh, but I know Zach's <laughs> yeah. end. It's definitely time where we, I guess, switch gauges and then go to the more the the criticisms that the world tends to offer religions. So yeah. I'll let Zach start that one. Sure. Off. Yeah. So I I really liked what you the distinction you made at the beginning between Islam and Muslims because um, that was something that came up during Christianity too. Um, humans are flawed. Um, obviously, Christianity and Islam are both Abrahamic religions. They kind of have a s- similar. Um, central tenets, you know, and so that concept of human beings being flawed is still present. And so, yeah, it's the it's the Muslims making the mistakes or acting poorly or not acting in accordance to, you know, whatever the teachings are. Um, but but you touched on something that I want to kind of dive into, and that's that Western perception of Islam um, that that one of you had mentioned earlier. So what mm-hmm. what do you think it is? Um, well, so I guess first, what comes to your guys' mind when you hear the term radical Islam or when you hear the term Islamic terrorism, you know, these these buzzwords that are thrown around that are used in, you know, international politics and, you know, travel bans based on certain countries that have, you know, high Islamic percentages and, and potentially are, according to the countries, putting in place the bans potential sources of sure. uh, radical terrorism and things like that. So what comes to your mind as Muslims when you hear these these buzzwords, these ideas um, of of the quote unquote bad of Islam of these you know of these aspects? Well, it's kind of interesting asking the question then i'm I'm sort of realizing how old I am now because I'm remembering back to sort of pre nine eleven. And, uh, and and would be when such terminology was used, right. I think, more so. And what's quite interesting, I would say now, is how much that's kind of completely flipped around uh, in more sort of contemporary, what might be said as woke or cancel uh, culture, in a sense where, in, in a sense, it's, you, you know, you can't say these things now. And it's, all, it's yeah. all, you know, the privilege has almost flipped around uh, now in a sense where, you know, um, it's... <laughs> Now it's interesting. We're being careful about talking about Islam. I'm actually being more careful talking about sort of cancel culture related yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff, right. which worries me more. So, uh, which, which is really interesting how that's completely changed in my adult life. That perception, but I, th- I think you know, I think even even the sort of, I think most people. I don't think it's too much of a stretch of the imagination to think that a lot of people would say when radical Islam is mentioned, it's mentioned with a kind of an agenda in in a lot of cases uh where it's mentioned which isn't necessarily which isn't necessarily to say i don't know or these days you get i don't know radical christianity is probably the uh the issue you guys are probably having to uh deal with there but um i don't know it feels like so long ago you say you say radical islam now and i think oh god those days (laughs) it's like when did that that ended ages ago right um but mohammed sorry yeah no, when it, when it comes to radical Islam, of course, first thing that comes uh, that comes to everybody's mind is like ISIS and Al Qaeda and Taliban and uh, beheadings in and decapitations, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, but then again, there are radical Islamic thoughts that are coming from, from sort of more non-terrorist 
radical Muslims. I mean, they have like different agendas. They 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 do want to like build the the caliphate, and uh, they do want to kind of establish the unity between the ummah, which is the Islamic nation, not to be confused with nation of Islam, um, the Islamic nation. And um, yeah, I mean, those guys are, uh, well, nation of Islam is a like particular name for the movement or rather the, the, the community in the United States, but the Islamic nation is sort of the, the general, like all around the world. I mean, whether you're coming from Malaysia or uh, U.S. and if you're a Muslim, you're a part of the Ummah. Ummah means the nation. And uh, well, in Islam, well, technically, fundamentally, nationality is not recognized. So you identify as a Muslim. Okay. So you, you're you're not Greek. You're a Muslim. You're not wow. Chinese. You're a Muslim. You're not black or white. You're a Muslim. So it's I mean, more similar been, to Judaism in that sense than Christianity, I guess, to where you identify as a Jew as opposed to mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah, primarily. Okay. But then again, in Islam, you're not supposed to take extra steps to, uh, I mean, you might want to identify where you're from. Like mm-hmm. I do remember reading about like these, I mean, sorry, I, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is this Greek person who joined uh, ISIS he was called something Bahri. Bahri means from the sea, Mediterranean. They didn't call him the Greek. So yeah, you might want to refer to where that guy comes from, or like you might come from the desert or the sea or whatever. So, so there are people who uh, value that uh, elimination of anything you identify with, but Islam to the extent that they don't want to mention where you were even born. So yeah, that is that is the nation of Islam. So anyway, those radical radical guys. I mean, there, there, there are the radical Muslims. They don't they don't believe in terrorism. They don't think they need to uh, take over the entire planet by sword. But rather, they believe they need to infiltrate and grow into political, parliamentary, military governance bodies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So let's have some light on that side of radical Islam as well. And uh, of course, there's a wide spectrum in radicalism could um, we could also ex- extend it to some sort of like orthodoxy or that as well that is that uh, that doesn't have any effect on the outside world rather inside the families or um, the communities themselves I'm, I'm struggling here and I'm thinking about this uh, as in my head it's kind of like uh, my experience of being in the UK and uh, living in uh, London, I still go back there uh, frequently. Not so much. Yeah, <laughs> if, if your flights don't get cancelled, twelve right. times I've had my flight cancelled back there over the last year. Uh, but uh, where where my family are in London, there's a mosque nearby. Uh, on one side of the road, it's most predominantly Muslim. It's, it's like going to the Middle East by stepping across the road. It's peculiar. It's very sort of like white middle class on one side of the road, and then Islam the other side. It's very strange. Mm. Um, but um, I, I, I don't I think of it like there's this software integration uh, issues maybe uh, here to use a, a sort of metaphor. And, and please, Mohammed, bail me out at any point because I'm really not that familiar uh, with this. But I think um, like with the, the Quran itself is, is, the, is the word of God and is unlike the Bible, has not changed and will not change. And as Muhammad said earlier, uh, is spoken in Arabic in Iran. You, 
it you technically shouldn't translate it if i'm not uh, not mistaken it should never be translated um but um these these you know these are this word of god these words of god should be followed and i think some of those again bail me out if i if i'm explaining this badly they uh, to follow that scripture and to live in uh, a western nation causes conflict i think as far as hang on a minute i need to practice this but nothing in the culture that i live in really reflects that and is in some ways in contravention to that and um i guess i probably in the mind of someone there there's a bit of a sort of like oh hang on a minute do i how what's important to me well god is you know should be the most important thing here and i'm surrounded by heathens <laughs> like yeah. i'm surrounded by people and it, and it's it, it must be very complicated uh, for these people to sort of um live there and 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 have to do that sort of uh sort of juggling those things in in their head and um yeah you know if you you want to be serious about following god that probably means doing some things that contravene laws cultural practices mm -hmm. and the way it goes and and i and i think yeah that's that's we're seeing the results of that over the last few years and in some ways i, I think that in the uk they they try to avoid uh, mentioning it where it happens you'll always see like you know it's um it, there's like the color chart have you seen these memes on the internet where it's like who did what D depending on you know the descriptions of okay if they were this background then use this description if they were this background you've seen the the, the family guy color chart yeah, thingy. yeah like um so uh so so, yeah, and, it, and and then you always see on social media in the comments section, it's like, oh, no, I seem to have forgotten the fact that this one is, a, you know, he's a Muslim, a devout Muslim or whatever. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like the, there's the real downplaying uh, of that. Or um, I, I think we've mentioned it on the podcast a couple of times. It's a tricky subject of grooming gangs uh, over mm. in the UK. And like Pakistani grooming gangs is a bit a sort of tricky and how the police seemingly wouldn't do anything about that to not sort of stoke uh, sort of religious racial uh, tensions. And again, mm. that probably goes back to, as I'm putting it, as the sort of software integration issue. So um, I think the, uh, Zach, in answer to your question about radical Islam, I think that that sort of, that term has run its course. And I think we've, we've sort of, that's like Trump kind of indirectly killed that in a sense where it was like if you don't i mean i'm not you know what i mean not not him uh it was the anti him that sort of brought about a, a new sort of wave and i think that's sort of continued on and yeah. seems to continue to accelerate rather uh, he caused the killing of it yeah yeah, but, uh, yeah 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 just uh going back to the points you made uh well yes by oran is oran the holy book uh is the literal word of God, that's how you should believe it is. And uh, yeah, there are rules in Quran that are not necessarily easy to follow for all of us. There are, uh, well, I don't want to get into that really. But uh, then again, if you want to act according to scripture, live up to scripture's standards. Uh, for, for the minimum uh, ramification is that you have to live in severe, like ex extreme isolation in a in a Western uh, society. Not exactly like the Amish do, but uh, what you can frequent on the streets, you can use the public transport, you can use electricity, of course, 
but uh, then again, you're very restricted on the, on the on the type of media you use, the books you read, uh, the people you hang out with, uh, your your um, communication with other people, with other like of other religions or faiths, should be um, kept to bare minimum and necessities. Spreading Islam is included in that communication, but yeah, but the, but the thing is that generally Muslims throughout the world are more pragmatic than you think. Mm -hmm. So they adapt. They We are not allowed to pick and choose. So there are different schools of thoughts. There are different interpretations of uh, the word of God. And that ranges from the most secular, non-practicing Muslim who still believes in um, the literal word of God to the most radical terrorist horrible person you can imagine. So yeah, I mean, you, you see all of that, you see all of that. I mean, well, we live in Iran, we have different cultures, we have different sects within Islam, and uh, there are Christians, and there are Jews, and there are Zoroastrianists, and uh, there are reformist Islamic religions like Baha'is. And there is a there is a huge secular population here. And uh, Islam has been flourishing in this country for the past millennia, more over a million, I don't know, just for, for a long time. And mm -hmm. uh, people have been getting along with each other. And uh, I'm not gonna say there have there haven't been problems. A lot of people had to go through a lot, like of course, Christians and Jews and Baha'is. Um, you can go and look through the timeline and what they had to go through, but or Sunnis or Shias. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, but like, that leads to being more pragmatic when it comes to integration hmm. into a uh, a hedonistic or an infidel society, rather. Hmm. I think uh, Muhammad once again to like pat this guy on the back now. Horrible tour. Oh, sorry, I'm learning. <laughs> sorry, it I'm learning a, a, as well as podcast. hopefully others are learning as much as well. But um, I, I think um, uh, going back to your point, Zach, about the um the issues uh the issues there i think um blasphemy laws are at sort of are sort of the the center point for a lot of uh tension or potential tension because i think that's where the two uh, the two arenas completely butt up to one another right. um where you know um western sort of uh values of freedom of speech and uh, and sort of you know obviously not showing uh, the prophet's uh, depiction of the prophet, not showing the face. Um, that's I think where the, the the single sort of that's where it shows itself in its greatest sense. No, Muhammad is that? It's among many. Yes. Yeah, and it's and one that, of the most important ones. Yes. And that really, yeah, that 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 I think is, and we're seeing that of course with beheadings of teachers. Uh, and 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 how that's dealt with, or like how how react uh, the reactions of that are, are just as interesting uh, as well. And therefore, you know, I see this from um, and the British. I would say are, are, are quite tolerant, and and that has always been the benefit to the British throughout the years, and is is probably to the British detriment, as some people think these days. There's an awkward. It, it's sort of a bit an underground backlash, maybe from people that are really not that comfortable. Uh, about a lot of those things. And then they're seeing that maybe the institutions are not really taking their side in some of these things. And it's like, hang on a minute, we've spent, you know, a, you know, a couple of hundred years really working to build something about freedom of speech here. 
And now some of that sort of really sort of shoved under the rug uh, and, and, you know, and, and the British, they're going to be polite about it, but there's a, it's sort of simmering, I think, uh, under the, uh, mm. the surface there. And, uh, and maybe it will never boil over and maybe it will, you know, to some people they might say, too late <laughs> but um but yeah i, th I think um it's a really it's a really topical an interesting topic i mean again zach sorry to go back when radical islam going back to like 2000 seeing where it is now it's a it's a really murky area now it was really clear then i think it was really easy you know <laughs> we all had the enemy then <laughs> but like now it's like what is going on everyone's sort of in the multi layers of different perspectives and different ways and uh, i think it's too soon to say uh where these where these things will go i mean yeah yeah god have mercy on all, all of us we're <laughs> holding fingers crossed and uh yeah so. well i use the analogy maybe a software crashes due at some point uh, <laughs> you guys great reset right guys yeah we need a great <laughs> reset <laughs> that's what we need that's what they mean <laughs> But um, you guys have been humbly informative, uh, and you you almost touched. You actually did touch upon a point that I was actually curious about. Was the, the beheading of that one teacher? So what the concept of not drawing the profit? One one, where does it stem from? And two, uh, what do you think held its validity? So yeah, where did it stem from? What do you think held its validity? And do you think it still holds to be valid or still to be upheld to this day? Mm -hmm. So depiction uh like of the picture of the of prophet in any shape or form the way i learned it stems from uh idol worship you, you want to avoid it at any cost in islam any sort of idol worship is is forbidden i mean of course yeah we 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 uh we walk around a the cube made of stone in mecca and we pray towards it but uh yeah but that's <laughs> not idol worship. Um, so it is not meant to be like it's like, I mean, Muhammad was a human, according to Quran, just like any other human being. But God chose him for reasons to be his messenger. Mm -hmm. And uh, otherwise, otherwise, he's just another human like us. He eats, he walks, and uh, he has needs. So yeah, he's not a god. He he might be pious. He might be free of sin, but he's he's a human nonetheless. So painting his picture eventually will lead to not wanting to disrespect that picture. Will lead to make it that image extra extra sacred, which an image doesn't have value in Islam. So basically, it leads into not painting any faces at all or not building any human yeah i mean if you if you look at a lot of islamic art in islamic architecture you don't see any faces there like on, uh, in most of the mosques yeah unlike churches unlike uh other temples like you don't you don't see faces you don't see human beings painted there you might see birds but uh yeah you cannot you cannot uh, paint Gabriel or Jabril in Arabic as well. So, so do you mind if I jump in really quick there? I I'm curious then with some of these instances that happen, whether those 
I don't know how to word this, I guess. But so one example that I'm thinking of in particular was Steven Crowder drew Muhammad in menstrual blood. And he also yes. did an episode previously where he just painted Muhammad, right? Yeah. I, my thought process with that, and so clearly that is to go over the line intentionally and to, you know, stir up, stir up, whatever. Um, how does something like that or a more, I guess, educational context like the incidents in France, how, mm -hmm. what, I guess, what's your take on how a, for lack of a better term, how a quote unquote good Muslim should handle those particular instances since they are not meant to be worshiping that depiction. You know what I mean? Like it's intentionally yeah. serving a different purpose other than worship. Um, but I mean, obviously mm -hmm. it's still pretty black and white in the, in, in, in the texts. Right. So I guess what, how do you draw the line? Is there any difference there or should they all, I guess, be handled quote unquote the same? Well, I'm, I am not going to say, talk about my take on it because God forbid if I, um, that's proud to consider myself a good Muslim, but um, a good Muslim's take on it would be disrespect first, because, um, well, this is our law. Okay. And, uh, well, some people do make that mistake to think that, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you can't paint the face of Muhammad out of respect, but that's not the only thing. There's more to it, of course. I mean, idol worship, we just mm -hmm. mentioned. Right. But then again, I mean, disrespect to that law, I mean, uh, th th there, would, there would be two takes on it. I mean, if you're painting a picture for reasons, well, go ahead and paint it. But when you're pa painting a cartoon depicting Muhammad, my prophet, which I think is the best man, right. best man that ever existed, the, 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 the flawless person that I am basing my life and morality on spirituality and my faith and uh, in this world and the other I'm basing basing those on him, and uh, you're disrespecting him like that. It it is not sort of acceptable. The reaction to that would be, of course, vary from person to person, community to group, or rather group to group. Um, it makes sense. I think. But it, what Stephen? I was saying, I think that makes sense because if anyone were to take like you in our in our culture, they make fun of whatever figure you think you can hold close to, right? But they definitely stay. Yes. They steer close. Well, they steer near, uh, steer far away from uh, the, the Muslim culture. And I, I did have one question though. So you can't draw, nor I guess have a depiction of Muhammad. So have is there a picture that you have seen of Muhammad or no? Uh, yes, there are pictures of Muhammad, and but, he has a veil over his face. No. Or well, the ones we saw yeah. before recording today. No, there are uh, there are pictures uh, when when they need to paint Muhammad in like a form of miniature or you know like pictures for books. Mm. There's a whale over his head and uh, he has a halo. But there are pictures of Muhammad. I mean, apparently a Christian monk painted him, uh, and that picture exists. Um, I think a Jew painted Ali. You are not allowed to paint pictures of the son-in-law, the, the son-in-law of Muhammad, also his cousin, and uh, wow. so you're not. Th there are pictures of him as well. But uh, let me quickly. I'm yeah. sorry, but let me go back quickly to what Stephen Crowder did. What Stephen mm -hmm. Crowder did was a was a was a severe, harsh protest against uh, what what you would call radical Muslims did. Mm -hmm. So. 
those lines are blurred. I mean, that kind of like a, that that kind of clash, of course, that um, pulls out responses out of people. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what Steven Crowder did, regardless, like objectively, was uh, only disrespectful. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to say whether it was right or wrong. Of course, I mean, he's got his freedom of speech. He can do anything. And uh, I would say, well, yeah, Muslims just sit back and call him names. <laughs> and like, like uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us here agree that somebody should be decapitated because of showing or painting mm -hmm. or pictures of Muhammad here. But uh, well, so what he did was a protest against the tolerance the tolerance, the, like tolerating that's going too far, mm. tolerating that radical response, tolerating that violent response to something that has been done, whether it was disrespectful for education, whatever. But the response was too radical. The response was too disproportionate to what has been done. So yeah, I mean, he did disrespect all uh, Muslims doing that. But then again, subjectively, it is also a response to a very harsh reaction to what happened in France, for example. Yeah, you guys are an interesting couple to talk to about this, because it's it's I'm curious how you square your stances on cancel culture and free speech and things like that with mm your 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 faith um because i mean clearly that's like you were talking about with crowder right that that was him having a response to the the um the the radical islam and the tolerance of it and then but that was him expressing his free speech same with you know other depictions right it is free speech and so you were talking earlier about how those two can't really coexist right certain elements of western society and certain elements of uh of islam so how do you two personally deal with that um i guess you know intersection with with your podcast with you know your views on free speech and then when something like this comes up um i mean are you more a obviously we said that you know we don't think that anyone needs to be decapitated obviously and, and so i'm not saying that you would have any kind of reaction like the extreme reactions that would happen. But so personally, what do you think, what goes through your mind as someone who feels more passionately about free speech and standing up against cancel culture and things when you see something like that? Like, and then the the reaction of the the Muslim involved. I get your question. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Mohammed, I'm not I'm not sure how it is for you, but I know for me, like big question marks uh arrive like uh going back to france uh for a, another uh specific case about the sort of um hijab or the headscarf uh as in yeah. uh, banning uh the headscarf is one also that, the whale the veil Not yeah the headscarf, which, which is is one i th i find myself thinking about this a lot and and it's i cannot find a conclusion mm. to that one because they both like I, I like from all sides or essentially two sides and really like no and no and yeah and that shouldn't happen in it and and i really I, I sort of you know just for the fun of it and think okay let's 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 sit down let's work this one out yeah and, you and get, i still haven't and, <laughs> like i still can't figure out how that one functions there's yeah, no just a quick, resolve just a quick thing here and you got like burkini which is like the 
full body cover, like as a like a burqa and bikini combined, and so a full body cover for women, Muslim women, <clears throat> so they can go to the beach, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is banned by the French, laic secular government and Islam. Mm-hmm. Both. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, yeah, yeah, gen- yeah. So these are these are weird, weird things that happens. It's just so. Well, there's a general disposition of absolutely hating the French anyway, so uh, so that's that's fine. So if the if the French government decide they want to do something, I'm automatically against it. Yeah. But uh, so so that you know, there's another layer of uh, confusion here for me as I want to say, get out of here! What are you talking about? So uh, you know, sorry, that's that's a there's there's history on top of history here. Yeah. Um, but it's even like bringing this locally, uh, and of course coming to uh, Iran. And uh, watching television and, uh, you know, the headscarf law here is is mm. still an anomaly for me. It's yeah. just so confusing yeah. because, you know, you technically cannot show a strand of a woman's hair mm-hmm. uh, according to people that make these things, make these rules. And um, yeah, but you'll turn on the television the, all, and they will show local, locally made productions mm-hmm. and they will show international productions which are edited to a degree, but you will see, for example, a, you know, a blonde German nurse in a German sort of hospital drama. We're obviously just walking around without a headscarf. And then it will cut to the adverts where women like just really strictly covering everything to the book. Hmm. It's like, how did, how can that happen? Like, how, how does that, like, what, why do we have to do that? If that just happened and where does, and I've asked several people and gotten lots of, really peculiar uh, answers, but it still doesn't function in my head. Now uh, imagine that kind of contradiction, conflict, if you want to send your, you're a Muslim and if you want to send your daughter to a public school. So heaven yeah, forbid, I mean, this mixing is, with this men, is, uh, talking with men. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, like, but specifically on freedom of speech and uh, Islam, again, we have Islam and we have Islam and we have Islam, but... Like the way I learned, I uh, well, the way I learned that faith about that faith, um, you should be. It depends on how you're talking about things. Of course, freedom of speech is extremely limited. There are things that that are forbidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot talk about certain stuff. There are stuff you can talk about academically, thought experiments mentioning for reasons um but like sex you need to talk about sex in an islamic context but you cannot talk about sex casually mm-hmm. really? so it's really 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 complicated yeah i, I always mm. have that question I mean, you cannot no just in regards to like like and you brought it up like sex like how does that you know how does that come about since the the religion's more intertwined than it is the surface level that it is in America. Just like what was it? What's the experience Sorry. like? Like the, the experience of dating and things like that. I was just curious mm-hmm. of how intertwined does that become? Because here, like um, people won't date people if they're not Christian or and there's levels to that. And I wonder if there's levels to um, Islam as well. Mm-hmm. Well, if if anything. Th- that sort of Western kind of dating is forbidden in Islam. Yeah. So you're not allowed to uh, sit and talk to 
a person of the opposite gender before you're married, or if you're not related, you're not in a family, et cetera, et cetera. Again, there's variety of rules, but this is a general disposition. So if you're dating someone, if you're dating a boy and you're, or a, a, a girl, uh, so you're, you're not allowed to do that in the first place, according to Islam. So by doing that, you're committing a sin already. So the extent you want to take it uh, further, that is basically on you, on your culture and how you perceive the rules to be and how you're allowed and how, I don't know, uh, uh, kind of like adventurous you are rather. Yeah. But uh, of course, like sex before marriage is extremely prohibited. Sex out of wedlock is extremely prohibited. It's uh, like, card these are cardinal sins. So um, yeah, you cannot do that. You cannot, I mean, some people go as far as women not being able to wear shoes that make a sound while they're walking because that will attract attention of men. So now, Muhammad, I can probably weigh in a little bit here while, uh, and go back to the moment when I went to the Imam Raza tomb in Mashhad, yeah. uh, where I got the books that they give away for free there. And one of the mm -hmm. books I got was uh, Sex, Morals and Marriage. Yeah. Islam, sex, morals, and marriage. I think it was, it was called. And wow, this was an eye opener as to uh, uh, to how things uh, go down. Because I think probably the perception for someone who's not familiar uh, with Islam is that those things are really sort of, um, it, it sort of doesn't happen. It's really strictly sort of ad adhered to anything sort of sexual. But I think in a in a uh, in a union in a marriage, mm -hmm. things are quite different and. You might be quite surprised, as I was, uh, with reading this book of quite how liberal maybe things explicit. are ex explicit, explicit yeah. within uh, a sort of uh, a married uh, arrangement. Um, to the detail of um, the one of the sixth imams was uh, apparently had a different point of view as to uh, having sex in a slightly different way, shall we say, uh, the other end. And uh, and that was not considered uh, sort of <laughs> not outlawed per, per se by this person, but it was it was like, yeah, it's better if you don't, but if it happens, so what? Whereas the other ones are like, yeah. So the, the debates in this book were related to I'll spell it out, anal sex, uh, as to, you know, what, what the rules are. And, it, and it's, it's interesting. This book is, is pretty much sort of bullet point with several bullet points, with several bullet points in that bullet point, with several bullet points. So, for example, one specific one I remember that went on for four pages was about the breast milk uh, mm. and whether it denotes a uh, child uh, having the, whether that woman who gave the breast milk, whether that one is the mother or not. And there is lots of caveats. There's lots of subsections. But it was yeah, very as bizarre. an example, if uh, a boy and a girl are breastfed by the mother of either of them, they cannot marry anymore. They're, and but but then again, they can touch each other. They're just like a sister and brother. So one breastfeed is enough. So yeah. So so what, so it's it's it goes as as detailed as that, and it sounds as weird as that. Yeah, probably what I would illustrate from my experience here, uh, related to growing up in a a Christian nation, is that it's it's very casual <laughs> over in a, in the Christian nation. Uh, probably wasn't the case, obviously, you know, back in the day. But but there's uh, there is um, everything's so detailed and written down and the understanding of human nature and human behavior uh, is, is sort of really gone into. 
through the am I, I, I hadiths are they do they call them the people hadith. who write the the books of the the various interpretations from things that have happened and how those things turn into law and uh sort of integrate into culture so we have two sources of uh deriving rules in islam one is the holy book of course and uh the way of life of muhammad so th those stories are hadith okay uh, the books around it are either like tafsir which is expanding on quran according to what a, a scholar thinks or um on on the story of the life of muhammad so yeah i mean those are important like sometimes they really go into details with things yeah yeah so so just to make the point that um every interaction you could possibly think of that you might have thought thought about has probably been written about and given some sort of credibility or denial in in, in some way i mean really your mind would be blown if you read the books as to like who why would how did that situation ever come about that someone would be in that and how have they said this is permissible because of this reason, this, that, and the other? It's really peculiar. It's really detailed. Well, that, and that mentioning any of those stuff in a in a different setting is absolutely unacceptable. Really? Wow. And I feel like that adjustment, the, that, the fact that there's a book or there's literature that adjusts to every circumstance will almost become the most tested in this 2021 uh ecoverse that we've been living in regards to cancel culture and what's now allowed and allotted uh zach and i was uh we were conversing about one concept that you guys brought up and i'll let zach can go ahead and introduce it oh yeah sure so we wanted to touch on one other controversial element or or i guess elements of western culture that doesn't really jive with islam as well um we, feminism and women's rights we were kind of tiptoeing around this with talking about sex a little bit and um, the facial coverings and hair covering and things that clearly doesn't mesh well with a lot of the feminist arguments and, you know, the sex positivity movements and things like that in Western culture. Um, so what, what would your guys, I guess, explanation be as far as whether or not Islam is a religion that suppresses women's rights or, you know, treats women as lesser or, you know, th these are the, as a, as a non-Muslim, these are the kinds of descriptions that I have heard previously, right? And so those are the ones that I was hoping to address and kind of get from your perspective, what's, what is the culture different there to the point where women don't see it as oppressive and, and suppressive, or is it still, is it just one of those elements that just doesn't I guess, quote unquote, work with Western society. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but I don't know. Generally, what's, yeah, what's your take on that conflict? Women have rights in Islam. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but what, what is that? Did, did you guys did you guys see that? Did you guys see that thing going around with like Islam was right about women? The poster that went around? <laughs> no, That's I don't think so. No, I haven't. That's funny. Did you not see that? Someone posted that around some sort of like some sort of small middle America town and people were calling up the police and saying like, this is really offensive, but nobody could explain why they were upset about it. <laughs> I never heard and of it. So that, That's so funny. I could see that someone using that in a funny way. So it, because it just really jarred with what is, uh, which is probably my way through an anecdote of describe uh, answering your question here, Zach, because this, this, 
you know, within this last year, that question within, you know, over your side, at least, uh, this is a very a sort of tricky subject because, of course, Islam is very feminist. Uh, is, is feminist is a really, you know, you know, like they're Islam is very pro-feminist. Uh, that position, you know what I'm saying here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's tricky to say, but uh, things are. You know what I mean? And now, now it's like there's some real mental gymnastics needed yeah. uh, these days to be able to navigate uh, these these issues. You know, um, and so, again, like goes back. Sorry, Mohammed, the, but the, again, like the this is where it jars with me because, like the going back to. <laughs> France, uh, it's the it's the same thing. It's like eh, I'm I'm stuck on that one. I have no answer. I I cannot sort of answer. It's it's just a real can of worms. Mohammed, sorry. Okay, out of experience, I was raised by a single mother. My fa my father died uh, when I was born, like three months after I was born. So my mother had to uh, raise me on her own. Uh, she didn't want to get remarried, and um, well, she she is an engineer. She worked hard. And uh, she had high positions and where she worked. And uh, well, she was a successful person professionally. But uh, then again, according to Islam, and she's a Muslim, she's a dedicated Muslim. So according to Islam, there a lot of stuff that she did was was not permitted, like working in the same room for, with men or inviting men over to uh, like our house to work with or like have meetings with. I mean, so yeah. these are conflicting contradictory uh, stuff. And uh, well, of course, rights of women are sort of limited and uh, if you want to compare it to the rights of women in the western culture but um yeah of, of course there's a different uh, there's a different point of view there's a different perception of women's rights in in the world of islam not anymore the sort of the clash of these civilizations have changed a lot for for both sides one of them being this conflict I mean, Quran is the literal word of Allah, mm -hmm. but the rights of women and the position of women in a marriage, in a family, in society is very limited. There are strict rules for women and how they can behave, what they, what can they say, what's, uh, how can they act. I mean, look, they need permission. I mean, still, as a woman in Iran, you need the permission of either your father in his lack of presence your uncle or your grandfather or a male guardian if you're not married and if you're married your husband and it goes as far as your son to be able to travel abroad so to get a passport you need a written document stating that your male guardian is allowing you to travel in case of me and my mother saudi arabia wanted me to sign that document because for my mother because I was uh, considered her male guardian. So, yeah. So, but then again, women are really important in our culture as well. So there, there's huge respect for women and uh, it goes as far as you feel like when you, when you're, when you, when you join Arab families, you, think it's not a it's it's more like a matriarchy than a patriarchy in in their household but when you're in the family like from outside you don't see that mm -hmm. so things are different a lot of women are way happier with the rights given to them by islam 
in their households. I'm giving you examples of Arab families because I don't, I, because that is my experience. Sure. And uh, women, f- girls who want to move a little bit further, step out of that of those boundaries, are pressured in 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 their society. Mm-hmm. But again, in my experience and experience of other people, other Muslims, it sounds more like those pressures are coming more from women than men. So even if the fathers accept them, uh, accept their uh, request of, let's say, going to a university in Europe, Mm -hmm. the female uh, members of the family are not really welcoming that idea. So it is it is 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 really a very obviously a very important topic to talk about but it's 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 also a complicated matter as well so i'm just giving you the a the tip of the iceberg so there's a lot more to it of course really? yeah I, I, the, i'm just thinking now uh, sorry go for it Bren. i was saying this can be a six part series this is probably one of the more interesting <laughs> dives that we've done and I, I know zag is held the same sentiment but yeah. continue, sorry no, I'm, just, I'm thinking of specifically Iran and how the landscape has mm-hmm. changed for uh, the situation of women here. Uh, upon arriving, it would be very rare that you would see a woman working, at least in a service sector, sort of customer-facing, like, restaurant-style scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, actually, the first time a female, like, a waitress came to me. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and now it's it's mostly that. Uh, I mean, depending on which restaurant you go to. Um, and of course, women in the office was also quite rare to the point where um, it really flipped around. And um, it depends, obviously, once again, in the, the context of which job, but it's now in service sector. Uh, mm-hmm. And I work in uh, sort of communications industry. It's predominantly women uh, now. Um, I guess, yeah, again, strictly going back to Muhammad's point about uh, his his mother and uh, meetings. I mean, yeah, I mean, strictly, we shouldn't be in the rooms with <laughs> with the women uh, working. I mean, it's weird for me when you think about that and then think, well, you sit in a taxi right next to a woman and you're touching the, you know, your arm is up against her arm and you share a journey together. And for me, that's really awkward. And I, I sit in the car and I try as much as possible to keep away from the woman and keep my hands present. It's really awkward, uh, awkward situation. Yeah. Quick notes. We have shared taxis. Yeah. That will happen. It's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably don't realize how the taxi thing goes down here. Yeah. That was surprising for me when I first came to Iran as well, when I, we went down the road and suddenly someone got in our taxi. I'm like, Hey, we got this one. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's like, don't speak too much. Shut up, move, <laughs> make way for someone else getting in the car as well. But, uh, yeah, the landscape I think has, has changed, uh, dramatically uh as as far as like rules and regulations like women now if i'm not mistaken can now have a child um like a um adopt a child now as a single mother and that's a recent change if i'm not mistaken a very radical like even a more radical change quite recently that i heard of but i cannot verify honestly is that a pregnant woman can go to a hospital and give birth to a son and uh, sorry a a a kid and uh, a baby and uh, do not declare who the father is as well wow so they can get a birth certificate without i mean i mean i have never seen it i just heard it that it's Mm. that it's not really um, like published or announced but Mm. apparently it's accepted now 
So yeah, I mean things uh, are inevitably changing. One in, in a direct answer to uh, Zach, I would I would say where it sort of uh, is a problem for me is specifically in uh, the law courts where a woman's testimony is half of a man's mm-hmm. or the woman's word is half of a man. And that for me is. Okay, that's just that's just nuts. Uh, like I can see where that comes from, and I can understand like historically how that comes into play. Which isn't to say I agree or disagree with it, but I can see where it comes from. But so much is different now, and that looks wrong. It just doesn't uh, look right, and that is often. Um, I think that's that. That for me is the one standout thing that is is problematic, and I think women will often say like, yeah, that's where they'll begin to get into the subject of like, there's problems here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that goes along with inheritance. I mean, a woman inherits half, inherits mm-hmm. half of a man as well. Sure. So yeah, I mean, and a lot of people have uh, arguments in defense of those sort of rulings or laws, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they're really difficult to defend now. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So obviously another conflict that between Western society and, and Islam. We appreciate you guys taking on some of these h- tough questions. I know that these are some some touchy subjects and some really tricky conflicts between between cultures. Um, we wanted to, and so we've touched on a lot of different controversial issues and, and different conflicts between culture. We wanted to end on a positive note um, to make it clear that, you know, the, the point of these episodes is to encourage conversation about religion, is to encourage people to talk about religion and not feel afraid to discuss it without being either quote unquote canceled or, you know, judged or what have you. And so that's why we try to address both the good and the bad. Um, so we wanted to leave on a positive note and turn it back over to you guys and let you just say what needs saying, whatever, whether it's what Islam means to you or whatever you want to end on to describe Islam to our listeners, people who don't understand Islam or who do, but maybe through a Western lens, um, you know, just to kind of leave leave a little bit better taste in in people's mouths than well we're going to talk about terrorism and suppression of rights and all of these negative elements um mm-hmm. but yeah so i i wanted to turn it back over to you guys um feel free to throw some plugs in there too you know plug your podcast let us let our listeners know where they can find you but then also yeah just let us know what you know what what uh what about yeah. islam do you want to end with this message on Islam's in the good books these days, so everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. Uh, those days are gone. Um, but it's been, yeah, uh, I guess, thank you guys for uh, bringing these questions to us. And for me, it's been a great learning experience, learning from Mohammed. Uh, and um, we'll get to the plugging in a minute, Mohammed. Well, um, good things you. about Islam. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, honestly, honestly, Islam, Islam, uh, apart from a, a being a set of ideologies, a religion, is also a culture, and within a culture, there are a lot of beautiful things. So, um, we're in the holy month of Ramadan at this point. Whether you're practicing or not, I mean, this is a festive month, and uh, there are iftars, there are uh, sort of after dark fast breaking ceremonies where families get together and. Uh, eat together and uh, they wake up early in the morning and eat together before uh, the sunrise and um, 
there is you see a lot of charity around and uh this is only the holy month of ramadan there, there, there are other beautiful aspects of islam there's of course beautiful art architecture i love mosques i mean just, just the next month the, the next mosque you see just take a walk inside and enjoy it I and mean, just uh the atmosphere is actually really good and uh well yeah i mean islam as a religion cannot be reformed but muslims do reform and change and adapt and uh they flourish and uh there, there's certainly there's certainly nice things within the culture there's literature which i cannot really expand to there's beautiful literature there's beautiful um sort of i would like to say art but it, it is mostly uh architecture as well so also uh, we all know that islam uh, in the early years of flourishing um contributed a lot to science when Europe was in dark ages. So the Islamic empire or the Islamic civilization rather took the place of the, um, like held the, held the, held the light on for the, for the time being. And you can go back and read philosophy and literature from that era. And that is really nice. So, but, but the good things, mostly people, there are a lot of good Muslims. Mm. I think I'll probably add uh, to that once again, going back to the, the great books I got from mm. Mashad. Uh, and this is uh, Islam's very deep appreciation of the human condition and human behavior. Um, and and in, in Christianity, there, there are a great many stories and, and they're probably weaved in, in sort of metaphors and, and weaved in in very complex, interesting ways. They make great stories. Uh, but with Islam, it's, it's very, uh, like the human condition is very deeply appreciated. And I think this is probably a misconception uh, here that the West might have about Islam because uh, the sort of uh, human uh, problems with, with humans or issues that we have in our, our daily lives and our interactions with one another are really kind of looked into and, and, and very much sort of understood and methods by which those things can be resolved uh, and ideas in which uh, humans can sort of get around those sort of uh, certain scenarios. I think Islam holds a really good appreciation of that absolutely. condition. As far as, as far as you don't need absolutely anything to connect to your God, not a mosque, not an object, not a person. You just, you can be in the middle of the street and just drop to the floor and worship your God. Or in the desert, or just like next to the sea, or on a ship. Mm. So, yeah. So I guess for me, the fabric of society is uh, I have a deeper appreciation of the mm. fabric of society through my readings uh, of Islam, and, and that's something that I haven't attained through uh, Christianity in the same way. It, it you kind of feel really quite human, and and I guess. It's kind of cool, you know. Like, yeah, you relax a bit more in a in a different way. And I'm, I'm, it's difficult to. I've I've never actually voiced it, so this is like the first time I've sort of uh, really re like reflected upon it. But um, uh, yeah. So I guess thank you for the opportunity for me now to reflect upon that. Mohammed, let's plug ourselves. Yeah, uh, we are Ask an Iranian. Find us on social media. You can go on our website, askaniranian.com, and find out about how you can 
connect with us. Yeah, so we have weekly uh, podcast episodes. We, uh, weirdly enough, do a lot of uh, sort of questionnaires out on Instagram these days, which yeah. is which has turned out to be a great resource for our uh, uh, shows as well. So we just tackle sort of, uh, you know, funny things, serious things about uh, Iranians, Iranian culture around the nation. And uh, we kind of really sort of dance around dance on the red lines and uh so far we've gotten away with it so uh listen in while we're still <laughs> available yeah. available to be listened to yeah well yeah. everyone the 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 extremely uh astute conversationalist uh from ask an iranian podcast i always love hearing your guys conversation we got to do this again same subject even absolutely likewise yeah yeah, yeah we love we love what you guys are doing. Really appreciate it. Loving that you're upping your game these days. Loving all of the uh, all the new new bits and bobs that have been added. Keep up the great work. Yeah, we appreciate it. No, thanks so much for coming on, guys. This was great. Um, check out their podcast. Our they pleasure. obviously can lighten any topic, even something as as sensitive and touchy as what we've talked about. You guys bring a great comedic element to every concept and topic you touch so i would definitely second their their plugs go check them out and check out our previous episodes where we brought them on we have had them on have you guys come on twice now i believe yeah yeah a couple of times yeah, three times again huh? so maybe yeah it may maybe, have been three yeah. yeah three times but, it yeah. was mm. yeah misconceptions then mm. good times yeah right good old but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good episodes each time. So thank you guys so much again for coming on. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, take care.